I'm excited about what's, what's coming. We're going to be talking about family matters. Not just family matters, but family matters. What happens within the household of godly families and possibly ungodly families? And in order for us to look at this, we really need to, to have a construct, a, a, a way of looking at what is innate in men and what is innate in women. So my goal today is really to offend all the men and next week the women. They have their life-giving Saturday. Anyway, I mean, it'll just... It'll just roll out. I'm just teasing. It's not going to be offensive, but it'll help us identify some things within us. You know, because every year we need to talk about family. And there's a reason, the importance of of knowing that our family units are really the hope for the world. We're not going to win the world through missiles that are fired from the homeland, but through kitchen tables that are before their God and speaking about the Word of God. We're not going to win the world through all the political actions and overreaches of the government. We're going to win the world through our living rooms and what Jesus is doing in our living rooms from generation to generation. That's how God works. That's how he moves. That's why uh, even here we wanted a smaller stage. The stage originally, many of you don't know this, Bobby and I walk in one day and it's built all the way out past these poles. And we're like, what? Well, it's not going to work. We wanted a lower stage because we really don't want this to be a stage. The only one worthy of this place is is the Lord himself, and we want this to be holy ground. We want this to even resemble, if you will, a, a closeness, a family, a togetherness where we learn how to do God's will and word in our homes. That's the important thing. And it begins with family, it begins with marriage, and let me say, if you're 12 years or older, you're going to get something out of this. Now, if you're married at 12, you should have talked to me. I'm just saying, you're going to learn about relationships, and women, you're going to learn about men uh, biblically, and men, you're going to learn about your challenges at times with women biblically, and most importantly, we're going to learn about ourselves and why sometimes relationships can be the most difficult things that we ever attempt to do in our life, our relationship with the Lord as well as our relationship with one another. And that's why Harvest Connection wants to speak on what it means to stay connected. Now, the first thing we need to know this morning, women, don't let this offend you, but Adam was first. So I'm speaking to the men first. Now, Eve, she was given as an addition, listen to me, not as a replacement. Okay, as an addition, not as a replacement. There's something in Eve that makes her want to overtake, and you'll see this as we begin to unpack, overtake or want the position, if you will, of her husband. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, let's go back to, to really the beginning, the, the start of the story, if you will. Genesis 1, 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And rather than seeing the differences sometimes as a compliment, we begin to see them as a complaint. Rather than grinning in the face of these differences, many of us leave our spouses instead of grinning, we're griping. What's going on here? It may be deeper than what you think. Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, Jesus said, haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning, the creator made them both male and female. We have two genders, and sometimes these genders don't G and haw. Now, if you're not from here, 
You may not understand that verbiage, that language. Some of you will. Your wife. Every man that's been married over two years has heard this statement. I have nothing to wear. My reply for years was simply this. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I told you we're going to have a good time, but it's going to get deep before we get out. It's already deep in my house. I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus, help me. Where am I going? <laughs> so there's only two cultures. I want you to know this. There's only two cultures. There's the culture of heaven and the culture of hell. There's really not a middle ground. There's really not a holding ground. Depending on how we live and the choices we make, we are either pulling heaven down or we're bringing hell up. And that's in our relationships as well. Which one of these do we bring to our marriages? Which culture to our relationships? Many times what attracts us to our spouse is how they're different from us. If we don't honor those differences, the same thing that drew us together can eventually push us apart. And the distance between heaven and hell doesn't seem that far. What are we going to have today? What are the choices that we're going to make? One of the huge differences between men and women is how they receive and express value for the other person. This is true because I want you to, to hear genetically, through our genetic makeup, if you will, there are things that are designed that are precursors to every man, and there are things and design through intentional design of God, if you will, that, that are innate within women. We're different, and how we interpret things and how we receive things are very different. In a survey of over 7,000 people, uh, when they were asked, when you're in conflict with your spouse, do you feel unloved in that moment or disrespected? 83% of men said disrespected. Now think with me for just a moment. 83% of men, when in some type of conflict with their spouse, feel disrespected over being unloved. But 72% of women said they feel unloved. You see, we're receiving from the same argument, different things. Paul didn't say to the, the church at Ephesians, and we'll be there here in the next couple of weeks, Ephesians chapter 5, of course. Paul didn't say, husbands, respect your wives. He said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he uses the term agape there. It's a God-like love. love. And then he commands the wives, wives, respect your husbands as unto the Lord. And I've said this many times. I was counseling a couple one time, and I was going over these scriptures with, the, uh, with both, and the wife said, if my husband acted like the Lord, I'd respect him. <laughs> See, the more we understand the opposite sex, the more we understand who we are, the better we'll be at responding instead of reacting. 
And this is in all relationships, by the way, because men, when I start with us today, you're going to see I'm going to unpack some things that are going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Some of us wonder, why, why as a man do I have addictions? Why did I think that? Why did I say that? Why am I addicted to foul language? Why can't I just rid myself of those things? Why am I addicted, if you will, to anger? Why do my addictions go deeper to um, alcohol, to drugs, to possible sexual immorality, those types of things? Some of you have asked yourself, will I ever win this? And there's, there's something at the root of all that that we're going to talk about today that's somewhat innate in us. Because as you read Genesis 1, you'll see it's a creation story, and there we're told about mankind. But as you read Genesis chapter 2, it begins to break it down and start to define some things. Genesis 2, 7, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Most all of us have read that. You make your New Year's resolution, boom. Start with Genesis, you've read it. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. So I want you to see that man came first. <gasps> no, you didn't say that. Yeah, I did. And he and the Lord, the Lord brought him and placed him in the Garden of Eden. In verse 15, then the Lord took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it, to cultivate and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So I'm going to start here with this, that men were first. It almost sounds bad, as I said, to say this, but I do think it is important for us to see. Women, don't let this offend you. I guess if Adam could have done it all himself, he wouldn't have needed Eve to come along. Now, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because the truth is I don't know how long Adam was in the garden prior to Eve. The scripture does say, however, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Two things I want us to see from this passage of scripture. One is simply this. It was not a good thing for the man to be alone. It's, it just wasn't. Now, to be alone with God would seem to most of us to be okay. Man, I think it'd be a great thing to have a garden, to be in that garden, and it's just me, myself, and I, and the Lord. Walking in the garden, hearing his voice, but there was something that just, just for whatever reason, was missing in Adam. Adam, for whatever reason, uh, needed a helper. The Lord said it's not good for you to be alone. And for many of us, it's not good for us to be alone either. You see, what happens with relationships, the way men tend to react or respond to relationships, is when we get angry, we'll sever it. We do. You've probably severed some in your life. I've severed some in my life. But we get angry with one another and we say, you know what, I'm done with you. Some of us have become angry with God, and because we're angry with God, we've severed that relationship 
we not only blame God, but we blame God for the circumstances or the situations in our life because what we've done is instead of be alone with God, we've just simply chosen to be alone. And when we choose to be alone, it can be and become dangerous for us. That's when Satan begins to talk to us. Why would God let that happen to you anyway? Oh, it's not a bad thing. You're a man. You, you have testosterone running through your body, through your veins, through your blood. And guess what? God created you that way. So it's okay to think and to lust. God put that in you. It's okay to think that, um, man, here we are 30 years down the road and, and, and you're out here by yourself or whatever it may be. And it's okay for, for you to do the things or think the things or act the way or become more and more angry or to separate because you've been there. You've done that with relationships and it just doesn't work for you. So it's safer for everyone else for me to be out here by myself. You see, it's dangerous, and it wasn't good for man to be alone in the garden. We can get in the wrong state of mind. We can listen to the wrong voices. And it's in those places that the lights go out and the wrong things grow in the dark, men. The wrong things grow in the dark. And then we see God. The second thing I want us to see, that not only were men first, but then a helper who would be suitable for him was created. Prior to this, it was just the man with a couple of responsibilities. A couple of responsibilities that we talk about a lot here, to cultivate and to keep. Man was created outside of the garden. He's brought into the garden to cultivate and keep it. I don't know what it looked like, but it would have been beautiful. Because history tells us, the Bible tells us, that the Gishon, the Pishon, the Euphrates, and the Tigris rivers, uh, their heads started there. They ran from there. So Adam is treading through this, and it's just a beautiful place that's created by God. And yet, prior to the woman, Adam still had responsibilities to cultivate and to keep it. In the beginning, the only relationship man had to keep were between him and the animals. Isn't that interesting? That's why some, a man's best friend is his dog. Come on, church. You're afraid to say it. There's all these little statements. There's all these little sayings, and then we talk about how the man comes home and kicks the dog. I, I don't know. But his relationship first was with God and the animals, and it's not okay to maintain your animalistic behavior in your household. It's just not okay. But, but in some ways it was there. Man was created on the, same, on the sixth day, which was also the same day animals were created. But we need to leave that animalistic behavior behind and cultivate and keep what God has given us. He created man to do work. Work was given as an accomplishment for men. The problem we have is too many men today think the accomplishment, their accomplishment, are women. They change that from accomplishment to conquering. Now, I was trying to think about ways to, to really illustrate this, and, and it's a little bit dangerous. I, I, I was thinking um, notches on the belt, that's, that, that, that simply means that my goal is to date this woman until I get what I'm after. And I don't want to become explicit. 
And so notches on the belt. I even thought about, about mentioning this, that, you know, back in, in old time days, I, I have a Winchester 33, and some of you don't know what that is. It's a 30-30. It's an old one, and it's, it's very, very old, and there are notches on the stock. And I've always wondered, are those people he shot? But too many men, because they're created to work, and, and as they're created to work, they're looking for accomplishment in the wrong areas. Women are not there for us to conquer. Jesus brought women up to a whole nother level, and, and not only in New Testament, but Old Testament. A helper suitable, a suited helper. See, created to work. And I usually state it this way, that what the man is supposed to do with a woman is she's a part of the garden and he's to cultivate and keep her as well. But let's, let's move on beyond that. Some of you have heard my teachings there. But there was this physical garden, garden and this was a blessing from the Lord. And, and the neat thing is, is when you read Genesis chapter 1, you'll see that God created all of, of the trees and all of the birds of the air, each one would have a seed after its own kind. And God brought Adam into this garden to cultivate and to keep, to protect that seed, that next generation. Because when we grow, when we help, when we participate with, that's where accomplishment takes place. And all of us are created. Men, you are created to have great accomplishments in your life to take care of the seed, the giftings that God has given you, and to grow those up into something great, to cultivate, to keep. That word keep means to protect. Next generation, each seed after its own kind. In other words, I would say it this way. God doesn't turn around and give Adam a participation trophy just for being in the garden. He's got a responsibility. He's got a work that he must do. Created to be responsible. This is where the man fell. And to jump ahead a little bit, the woman ate and gave some, of, some to her husband. And we've read it. But in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. No longer is he cultivating and keeping and there's some things that you'll see are really messed up here. As a matter of fact, they're all messed up. Let's say it this, that, that whatever happened to win your morning, win your day, to do the first things of God for Adam, to cultivate and to keep, to get up with purpose, to get up looking to accomplish something with his God. God didn't have to create him that way. He just did. It's in eight in every man, men who have accomplished and then lose I was watching Duke last night again. I don't know why they have to play on Saturdays, right? And, and, and we get a loss. Why? Because we're created to be victors. We're created to see accomplishment, to participate in accomplishment, to be winners. And, and, and women, you are too, but I'll get to you next week. And I want you to see a few things that happened here. Because the first thing I said, men are called to be first. Men are called to be on the front lines. Men are called to be the spearhead for their families. Men are called to make a difference. Men are called to protect, to keep that within the household, that which God has given them. Men have this great calling. They were first. And I want you to see who ate first at the tree. It was a woman. Where was Adam? 
He's no longer leading. What's he doing? Following. Shows up second. No longer cultivating, no longer keeping, no longer working, but has become passive. No longer responsible, but now he's irresponsible. And let me say this, church, and I would pin these words. Irresponsibility is never neutral. I'll say it time and time again, but irresponsibility in our manliness. Irresponsibility is never neutral. The wrong things grow in the dark. It does make a difference what you do and what you don't do. So this brokenness has entered into the world, sin, and with this sin, it has changed everything. The blame game began in the cool of the day, and and I've got to move us along because we've got a lot to accomplish over the next few weeks, but the scripture goes on to say, then in the cool of the day, the Lord God came walking through the garden, and he calls out to Adam. Why does he call to Adam first and not Eve? Because Adam's first, and he calls out to Adam, and he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, I was naked, so I hid myself, ashamed, embarrassed. Now, all of a sudden, sin is starting to plant some things in this man who we find out later in the New Testament, if you're not walking in Jesus, you are of Adam. These things are innate in us. So now shame, guilt, pain, agony of sin, I'm trying to cover it up. I'm trying to hide these things because now I've become irresponsible. And this is what happens with Adam. He's just in this place of of having to respond to God. I was naked and hid myself. And the Lord said, who told you that you were naked? And Adam said, the woman that you gave me. So blame from Adam, two different ways. One goes towards the woman. The other blame goes towards God. And let me tell you something, men, that I have tried to be, over the years, and especially over the last five years, I've been self-reflecting through my journal and other things. Curtis, why, when you're getting older, do you become more angry? Why are you um, more short with people than you used to be? Why, 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 what's happening with me? There's, there's some things that, that cause bitterness. There's some over a period of life, if we don't deal with some things, men, it can, it can cause us to be different. There's been many times I thought, man, I wish my kids would have known me when I was 30. I was a little reckless. But, man, I, I'm going to tell you, I never got tired. I never sat in my chair. Today, you look at my chair, and it looks like somebody's been sitting there for 50 years. I was telling, I had a cousin come by last night, he and his wife, and were visiting with us last night, and, and uh, um, I was telling him, I said, man, I, if I come in, the most dangerous place I can go is that thing right there, because it traps me now. It just wraps its arms around me, and it says, I love you. <laughs> but I, if my kids could have known me when I was at my best... Allison knew me then, and I was just always going, always had something, uh, talking to people at the church yesterday, and they were talking about Curtis used to mow the grass out here on Saturday mornings, and remember Donald Preston would try to come out, and all these other, all these stories and stories and stories of everything that we were doing and all how fast we were running, but over time, what's happening to me? And I've prayed about it, and I've sought the Lord over some of these things, but I also know if we're not careful, we'll pick up that old Adam. We'll pick up some of the old nature 
as it's called in the New Testament, as the Apostle Paul calls it. Some of that old nature, some of these things, what's going on? Well, I, I, I started looking at this passage of Scripture, and I see a couple of things right off the bat that Adam blamed not only Eve, but he blamed God. And sometimes we wind up at destinations in our life that we didn't plan for. Sometimes things happen in life that are unexpected. Sometimes life doesn't go as we had hoped or what we saw at the age of 30. And 20 years later, you're looking at something and going, is this really where I intended on being in my finances, with my family, in the church, with all of these things? And we start asking some questions about where we are. And if we're not careful, we'll blame God because we think we should be someplace or something different and forget that God started with Adam and placed him in the garden. As long as we've said, yes, Lord, we should be where we're supposed to be. Now, so this showed me something else about men. Men have a difficult time forgiving. You see, I don't know if forgiveness was offered by Adam. He blamed God. He blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. And, and as I was studying this, I started thinking, what's the next story? What's the next chapter? It starts with Genesis chapter 4, and you see something with the next generation. There is unforgiveness that is passed from one generation to the next generation, and we see bitterness starting to take root. And through this bitterness, Cain, the next generation, will kill Abel, and they have been taught and they have learned, both of them, to hear directly from God. What is going on? Sin entered the world. Men, prior to Christ in your life, these are things that we all deal with. And if we're not careful, we'll pick up that old man. The Catholics would say there are mortal sins and venial sins, and it starts right here in Genesis chapter 2. Now, mortal sin is a sin against the soul. Venial sins are the white lies. I tend to take it one step further. I would say you have the sins of omission and the sins of commission. It's just theological lingo that basically means sins of omission, failure to take action when you see the hungry, when you see the thirsty, when we're called to clothe the naked and we simply ignore it. But the sins of commission are, are different from that. The sins of commission are sinning against ourselves, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, the things that grow in the dark, if you will. And so somewhere here, Adam had found himself, even in the garden, even in the presence of the Lord, somewhat separating himself from the Lord because he, the Scripture is clear. It is not good for man to be alone. He wasn't alone as long as he chose to keep himself in the presence of God. But now he's even drifting. Men, we tend to know how to react when they sin. But how do we react, react when we sin? The hardest people to forgive are not those who do the greatest things against you, but the ones you love the most. It's easy for me to see everyone else's sin. Can I see what's going on in here? And men, it starts with us. That's why I started, I came out of the gate on us. This is a manly church. 45 to 55 on Tuesday mornings coming in here to learn what it means to be a man. Uh, to be a man. 
it's a manly church. We start with us, so we've got to self-reflect. We need to look at some things. Are there some, some things in us that are creating unforgiveness? Because the ones that hurt us the most are the ones we love the most. It's not the ones, watch this, necessarily who do the worst things to us, who betray us. It's really, okay, all right. Years ago, Allison's pregnant, believe it or not. We're at Albuquerque Zoo. Had a great day at the zoo all day. And, and we're coming out. Wade and I are walking over to the pickup. Um, myself, Wade, and Bethany. Allison's pregnant with Emma at the time. Hadley. And so we're walking over to, to, the, to the pickup, and I knew I'd parked right underneath the tree in gated parking. And my three-quarter ton, four-wheel drive, four-door diesel pickup's gone. In the back... It had Bill Dubose's four-wheeler. <laughs> and so, so I get a phone call, right? And, and or, uh, we, finally the police get there and all this stuff and, and things are going down. And guy radios police, DPS, is it a maroon truck, four-door, four-wheel drive? It's got a headache rack. It's got a gray four-wheeler in the back. I'm like, yeah, they got it. And he goes, oh, no, don't get excited. He's just following them to Mexico. So we no longer pull them over because it's just too risky. They'll run from us. So just pray you have good insurance. Now, that offended me at the time, but it doesn't offend. It may sound like it offends me today, but it really doesn't, and they got a nice four-wheeler out of the deal. The pickup had 305,000 miles on it. <laughs> Joke's on you. Anyway, <laughs> so, so through all this, right, that's not really what hangs on to me. And man, it's going to get deep here in a minute because we, we've got to look at a couple of things. It's easy to see someone else's sin and not necessarily see what's going on in us, not know that innately we have to fight against some of these things that want to be resurrected from the dead even after we've come to Jesus. You know, those things against us that possibly hang on to us for a lifetime, that build up over a lifetime, that create this thing known as the bitter root of sin, bitterness unforgiveness, the dad who left, the wife who turned your children against you, the child who went astray. No doubt that the thief can steal and, and cause us to think on these things. Parents who divorce, who divorce when we were young and it, it hurt us. We self-react too often times instead of self-reflect. And if we're not careful, we don't even realize we're doing this, but we're blaming God and we're blaming the woman or we're blaming others. And let me tell you, if you are married, the one man, the one that will hurt you the most is your wife. It's You can have family members leave you. You can have a brother that betrays you. You can have a sister that walks away from you. You can have even a mom and a dad who are frustrated with you and frustrated with how you lived your life. But here's the thing. The one that has the potential to hurt you the most is your wife. And the reason why is because you didn't choose your family, but you chose your wife. And some of you made poor choices. That's why it hurts. Who am I going to blame? I didn't know she's going to do that. I didn't know she's going to act that way. I didn't know she's going to react. That's why it's called courting. I don't even like dating. 
It's called courting. We, we court. We, they need to know Jesus. You need to know their families. And if their family's broken, it's okay. That doesn't disqualify them. It gives you the opportunity to talk to them and make sure that this isn't something that's going to build up over a time and affect you and their relationship. Women, I'm speaking to you now. Innately in a man, because of the choice we make, it's difficult on us. We don't like to make poor choices. And I know you don't either, but we don't. We want to win. We have this victorious spirit that we're created in. We have this spirit in us that cooperates with God in the garden to cultivate, keep, to work, to take responsibility for our actions. And now she's made a choice that I don't agree with. So she now has the opportunity and the possibility to hurt me more than anyone else simply because she was my choice. She was my pick. I didn't pray enough. Should have sought out the Lord. I should have put this under the umbrella of the Lord and his covering. Man, we need to learn that this stuff can fester. And even if, it, if, if she's not the perfect one, that we can offer grace and mercy. Because it could just be that things have been festering up in you and you have become bitter. And now you're pointing the finger at a really good woman and, a, and possibly the best choice you've ever made. We've got to learn to react inwardly before responding outwardly. We must learn to react inwardly, to go ahead and learn to hold things. Well, it's just 400 some people at Tuffy Thompson's funeral this week. And, you know, I, I, I write every word I'm going to say down and I work hard on the messages because I know funerals have the opportunity to offer life and life everlasting. I look over there and on the piano there's Allison. And she's singing and she's worshiping and she's leading the people. And yesterday, doing another funeral, and I look over there and there's Allison on the piano and she's singing and she's worshiping and she's leading the people. The two become one flesh. For what? For his purpose. You see, we've got to recognize our tendency, men, is to react instead of to respond appropriately. And we need to react if we react anyway inwardly first and say, Lord, let me pause, ponder, and pray. Recognize our tendency, which possibly could just be through genetic code, through, through the Adamic sin, what we do when we sin and what we do when they sin, to understand that possibly when we see others sin against us, it gives us the opportunity to repent. Lord, how can I repent and react openly in the way that you did? Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. How do we do that? In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, knock them out. That's my interpretation. I don't just want somebody to slap me on the right cheek. But he says, no, offer them the other as well. Do you know why? Because that cheek's not offended. That cheek doesn't feel the pain of the right cheek. That cheek shows a different way. That cheek can still hold a smile while the other one now is a little bit construed. That's what he's saying there. Jesus, imagine if Jesus would have been offended. But he wasn't. Why? Because Jesus was first. He's the first fruits. Jesus is the one, right, that God has given us. A man came first. Jesus now, 
the new Adam, as the apostle Paul calls him, Jesus. Now, what if he would have walked in the fence? He didn't. Hebrews 12 tells us something, and I need to wrap this up. In verse 14, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of what? Bitterness. No root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled, that there be no immoral or godless person. And he goes on to explain that, that there'll be no immorality. If you have immorality in your life, men, if you have um, addiction in your life, if there's something going on, there's probably a root of bitterness, a root of unforgiveness. You've probably let them slap you on the right cheek and knocked them out somewhere along the way or cut them off, worse yet. It's easy for men to do. Jesus, he stands before a crowd of people offered with a man who is an insurrectionist who carries a knife blade in his belt for everyone to see that I will kill you if you go against me. As a matter of fact, my whole life, my whole genetic code is to be in opposition to you. His name was Barabbas. Bar Rabbis. You can go look it up and what that means, but this is what he was. He was someone who was against everyone, especially the political scene, and he was willing to kill and take over. And here's Jesus, who's never even committed a sin. And, and they cry out for Jesus' blood. His own people, who just uh, less than a week before on Palm Sunday, uh, says, here is the Messiah, and they're laying their palm trees down, and, and they're, they're, they're welcoming, welcoming him into Jerusalem, and now they're saying, crucify him. And Jesus hangs on the cross, and he says something that is so powerful. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Our problem, men, is we don't know what we do. Genetically, we are called to be so much more than what many of us, including myself, are living up to. Because what he's done in our life is something that's incredible. He's called us to be first. He's called us to be the front line. I don't need a woman to be on the front line fighting a battle for me. That's us. We are the spear tip. Jesus hangs on a cross, and shows us how to do it. They even gave him bitter herb to drink because he's thirsty, and yet he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And here's the great promise, men. We can be so much more because in Christ we are a new creation. The old things have passed away, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Behold, the new has come. Would you please stand? I'm going to ask the altar team to make their way forward this morning. And as they come forward, uh, a lot to process in there. I may just stay on man for the next few weeks. I don't know. It kind of depends on who shows up next week. Men, we're to lead. We're to lead. We get our families up and say we're going to be there. It's okay to tell your family you're going to worship. It's okay. Uh, you don't even need my permission. It's, it's okay to, to know that we are called to be the front runners. And, and women, next week when we speak on y'all, it's, it's going to be an incredible message because you'll see some things that are innate in you if you take up the old man. And the cool thing is when we can recognize these things in ourselves, we can begin to recognize them in, each, in one another. And Alice and I went through this years ago, and it's, 
It's been incredible. It's not something I read in the book. It's something I read in the book that I'm still studying to say, Lord, show me uh, if I have this bitter root, Lord, you're the one that can pull it up by the roots and help me as you plant a new seed in me that I can cultivate along with you, Lord, and I can keep it along with you, Jesus. I can truly be that new creation that you've called me to be. That's his promise. Men and women, we'd love to pray with you this morning. That's why we're up here to pray with you and to encourage you and to help equip and empower you so that we can go and truly bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this, your message. Thank you for this, your word today. Lord, as we go through family matters, family does matter, relationship matters. Teach us, grow us, equip us, empower us, encourage us, and show us your will, your way for this day and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.